This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This week, I am talking with Chief Sumo at AppSumo and Sumo.com, Noah Kagan. We're going to talk about stepping back from your work to gain new perspective, dabbling in things and or going all in on them for a period of about a week to really test them and see if it's a possibility for you, testing your routines, and much more. Before we get into that conversation, I want to remind you that Seth Godin's Alt-MBA workshop is enrolling still for summer and fall sessions. The Alt-MBA is an intensive leadership and management workshop And it's designed for high-performing individuals who want to level up and lead. Leaders from dozens of industries around the world have completed this four-week intensive workshop. It's founded by best-selling author Seth Godin. And it's not for everyone, but it might just be for you. The curriculum is entirely hands-on, and more than 75% of the time in the workshop is dedicated to shipping your work on practical projects that allow you to apply what you learn. To apply... Head on over to altmba.com slash beyond. Make sure to mention this show in your application for special consideration. Again, that's altmba.com slash beyond. You never know. It might be just what you need. Go apply now. Now, enjoy this conversation with Noah Kagan. So this week, my privilege is to welcome Noah Kagan to the show. Welcome to the show, Noah. What up, Eric Fisher? So let's let's talk about your title a little bit here and, and how you chose it slash got it. And then we'll start breaking stuff down. How did I get the Chief Sumo title? Yes. <laughs> uh, so I started the company, uh, AppSumo.com, about seven years ago. And I think everyone gives themselves like cool titles way too soon where they're CEOs. And I'm like, you're, you're not even making any money. Like, who are you a, who are you a chief of? And so I, I, I try not to take myself too seriously. So I thought Chief Sumo just always sounded funny. Uh, and it, it stuck. So seven, seven years ago. Yeah, overnight success. Yes. And <laughs> it, it is funny, though, because in the beginning, no one really had titles. And what, what's been interesting as, you, as we've scaled the company, you know, we have Sumo.com now as well, is that you understand why certain companies have to do things. Like I used to work at Intel as a corporate monkey. And you start understanding, yeah, sometimes in, as you get to be a larger company, titles and training yeah, makes, you know, it's necessary to, to have systems uh, to grow the business. So what's changed? Like over the course of seven years, obviously, and you guys aren't done, but like how did you get started with it? And like what's been some of the biggest struggles? Yeah, man, it has been such a wild ride. Uh, and I've reflected on it a lot. And I, and I can tell you some of the takeaways. One of the major things was that I started the business trying to start three businesses, and this, you know, this impacts like all your type of listeners uh, with trying to organize things and prioritize things and, and grow businesses is that I started three companies and 
the premise, though, is that I always love solving problems and starting businesses of things I want myself. So that's what I always try to do. I'm like, how do I like when I worked at Facebook, I wanted, you know, I wanted to look at other people's profiles or mint. I wanted uh, finances for myself. And I was like, well, everybody else wants this, too. So when I started Sumo app, Sumo, the company, uh, I started it basically. Number one was like a review site for software. Number two was a, it was literally fish bowls for restaurants and local businesses. So I'd put a fish bowl in their restaurant and people would put their email in it and I would collect them and then start a mailing list for those restaurants. Uh, and the third company uh, was Reward Level, which was like this thing I can't even explain because it was too complicated. And I guess the fourth company was AppSumo. And what was interesting about all that is that I was running four kind of ideas like, you know, goofing off more or less. And I came to an interesting conclusion where I said, well, which of these businesses could I 10x the easiest? Which one's already working the most? And Because there's no way that I can make all of it work. And so I said, AppSumo is working really well. I'm not even doing anything. This daily deal website for software. And that was a big decision to say, all right, I'm not doing anything else. I'm only going to do this. And I've actually had that you know, same experience recently where I'm, I'm doing all these different projects. Like I'm helping run Sumo and AppSumo. I'm helping the companies. I've got a podcast. I've got a blog. I started. I bought a Chrome extension, and then I started building other software. And I, I try to reflect in the past seven years what's really worked well for us. And, and the number one thing that worked well for us is that we always had one clear focus. So with AppSumo, like the first goal was like, all right, how do we get a hundred thousand subscribers? That was our first year. The next year was how do we get five hundred thousand subscribers? And then our third year, we didn't have a goal, and that was one of the worst years we had. We actually ended up firing everyone uh, and going down to four people uh, from twenty people. So having the singular goal, it's not that that's the only reason, but that was a really key takeaway where with all of us, everyone thinks we're, we're focused, but we're like, yeah, I'm focused on three priorities. I'm like, well, that's not, <laughs> right. that's not a focus. You're, you have three things. What's really the most important? And so uh, in the company, yeah, that's really helped us help guide us to success. So, you know, uh, the other goals we've had are certain revenue targets. I, I think just having one clear goal, that's what I took away from Facebook, was one of the key things that's helped us really sustain over time. Uh, a bunch of other, you know, kind of little things. I'll just give a few other tidbits I think people would find interesting. I think we're really good at noticing what works and doing more of it. So with AppSumo, recently we found that lifetime deals work really well. So every deal now on AppSumo is a lifetime deal. We found that individual deals worked better than bundles. So I think that's one of the things in businesses and, and even to-do lists and all this stuff is that of everything you're doing, what's really working and then how do you expand on it? So we would do giveaways we would, have, would do a giveaway and it did really well. And so then we did a giveaway every week until they stopped working. Same with advertising. We spent $300 a month on Facebook. It started working and then we spent up to 300000 a month. And uh, so I think that's kind of a, a major takeaway as well. So focus, uh, doing less things. And then when you find something that works, like be obsessive about that. And, and pretty much just go crazy until it stops working. I think what happens is we do it a little bit. We're like, oh, that's cool. I'll just do a little bit more of what's working. It's like, no, just go crazy, like exhaust it. And that'll push you to then even find another thing uh, that'll help you expand your growth. So like go all in on something that you can see is obviously working. Yeah, well, here's the problem. I think people are way too focused on the hack mm -hmm. and, and, less, and less focused. They're too focused on the hack and less focused on the work and actually putting in the hard work that takes time and it never goes away. And that's what I've seen over and over again from successful people is that they keep putting in the work for, for long periods of time. You know, with all these companies, that, that's really what it came down to is that we're still putting in the work and our ultimate goal, you know, just what's our purpose? Our purpose is to help small businesses grow. And we've stuck with that. You said that you started four things at once. Would you suggest doing that? Was that like key in figuring out which one you wanted to 
continue moving forward? Or would you, if you could do it over again, say, no, I would start like one at a time and just see how it went and then move on to the next one? So the analogy I always give, Eric, is is like driving to a destination. So in any business, what you have to do is pick a destination and then plan your route. The reality is, is that there's many different ways to get to the same destination. So you could take a bus, I could take a bike, someone else could drive, someone else could hitchhike. Uh, and so I'll tell you the ways that I like to do it. What I've seen, though, is that people just dabble. And so what they do is they dabble for a week, it doesn't work, and then they give up. Or they buy a course and they blame someone else. As I'm starting businesses now, what I do is like, all right, well, what's the problem I'm really trying to solve? And how can I do that within basically two days and go hardcore about it? Because I think what people do is they put their toe in and it doesn't work. And they're like, okay, I didn't really try, but yeah, it didn't work. It's someone else's fault. So what I recommend is pick one thing, go at it hard for two days. If you're really, if you're busy, go seven days and don't give yourself more time. Because I've seen the fact that one, if you can try to figure out in seven days, if you can get three customers. And two, if you limit your time, you'll significantly increase the creativity. Because what happens is you're like, I, I remember I've, I've started a bunch of businesses that never worked out. Like those other three didn't work out. Yeah. And what you do is you keep giving yourself more time and you keep talking to more people for more feedback. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would use it if you had this or I would buy it if you had that. And then they never do. And I think you can really convince anyone uh, to purchase something if they believe the value is what they actually want, if it's important to them. Because most things, and this is actually the most insightful thing around starting business, most things that we purchase today, a good amount of them, we don't even know they exist until we get them. So a lot of people, I tell them, hey, if you're ever starting a business, like when we started AppSumo or if we're, you know, sumo.com, our email marketing tools, you can have people buy things. Most things we actually buy now, we never even see until we get them, meaning that they might not even exist. So let me give you examples. Your hotel room, the airplane flight, a concert ticket, things on Amazon. How do we know that they actually have them before we buy them? We don't. We just assume they do. And based on that, a lot of times they create the flights out of it. They have hotel rooms available. They continue with the events and they find the products and ship them to you. But a lot of times, sometimes if you start a business and no one wants to buy it and you've said, hey, does anyone want to buy this? So if I say, hey, I'm I'm starting this business, it's a backpack business. I can put that out there, email it to friends, put it on Facebook, message it in my, you know, whatever groups I'm in, put it on LinkedIn. And if no one buys it, great. I didn't have to spend a bunch of time on a website, on Shopify or whatever it is. If people do buy it, now I can say, hey, this is something I'm going to deliver to you within a certain period of time. And that's the expectation because it's something you want. And I think what most people do is they, they do the easy part, which is just sitting behind a computer, working on the prototype and working on the website. But the hard part is like, all right, well, what happens when you finally have that ready? And I think that's the easy question to ask people is that, all right, let's say you finish your product. How would you get your first five customers? And they're like, well, I would do this and this and this and this. Well, why don't you just skip to that part, see if that actually is true for what you're promising to deliver them, and then you can go make it if they actually want it. But people, you know, they like to do the easy part. It's like trying to be a stand-up comedian and never doing anything in front of people. At what point in, the, in that seven years was it when you basically fired everybody and then rehired people? And what did you learn from that? And what, why did you have to do that? I, I told you earlier before the show, I'm in Israel, so I've had a lot of time to reflect. And I'm, I'm, in retrospect, I'm not sure it was the right decision. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so the company was doing fine. I think we were making you know $4 million a year. We're a bootstrap business. Uh, it's me and my business partner, Chad. And I just didn't like the way the company was going. I didn't like what we were doing. And I, and I probably just wasn't also happy with myself. Went to Chad and I was like, dude, I, just, I, I like when the company was small and we just had fun and we just promoted deals whenever we had them, not just because we have to pay bills now. What if we just go back to that? And he was like, okay. So we ended up letting everyone go. I, you know, it's sad to let people go. I've been fired. I know how it feels. It's horrible. Yeah. 
And then we went back to the basics. And then, you know, two and a half years later, the company has tripled. Looking in the rearview mirror, it's like, oh, what a great story. But I wonder if we didn't fire everyone, would we be five or 10 times bigger now? And so the big lesson learned for me from that whole experience, there's a lot of things, but one of the major themes that I, I think about and I talk about a lot is, is overcorrecting. And it, I think of it like a pendulum ball. So sometimes your business is in the middle and something bad happens. And so you're like, I'm going all the way right. And I think in business, it's, it's making sure you're not overcompensating for just one bad thing that happened to you. So that, that was definitely a surprising thing that I, that I realized from that, uh, from that event. So you're in Israel right now. So what, one, why are you in Israel? And two, you've obviously had to have learned some lessons that are making this trip possible, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, a bunch. I'm in Israel because my father's from here. He passed away, and I wanted to spend more time here to get to know my family, learn Hebrew. And my dream was to work in a, another country for a, a longer period of time and, and see how that goes. And I will say for anyone running a company, it's very interesting to leave your business for some period of time not for just this purpose, but you, you will see the holes. It's kind of like when you step further and further away from a screen, you kind of have a different view. Like someone's in an airplane has a different view than someone on the sidewalk. And so seeing, being abroad, I'm like, oh, this is kind of, why are we doing this? And why are we doing this? And uh, it's been a good perspective from that. Uh, in terms of running the business, a bunch of things I've, I've noticed from being away. The challenge, though, is that how do you help have the company run where people feel special and not like, oh, I'm working and Noah's off like gallivanting. Right. And so the two things that I've seen is like, number one, how do you give people a goal that they want to accomplish, something that gives them purpose? So the company wide and individual wide and the businesses. And then two, how do you give them autonomy? And I, I mean real autonomy. But I, I think I'm, I'm like a crappy empowering person, meaning I micromanage. And so being abroad, being 12 hours, you know, difference than most people, I can't. And I've really had a disconnect. And so it helps me understand, all right, well, is the goals accurate and it helped? Are they doing the things toward the goals? And do they have the actual autonomy that they can really feel like they're running the show? Like, do they get the compensation of it? Do they have the decision making? And from my perspective, then you're like, well, no, how do I know things are going in the right direction? Uh, the easiest thing is we just do it. We do a Monday update. So every Monday I get an email that's like, hey, here's the goal for the year. Here's the goal for where we need to be this month. Here's how we're progressing against it. Here's what we're working on. And here's any problems we have that, you know, we'd like your insight on. Otherwise, like, you know, you, you should hire great people and, and more or less leave them alone until you actually fully let go of the steering wheel and sit in the, you know, the back seat or passenger seat or another car completely. Uh, can you really fully understand that? No, I mean, I, th I think that's one of the things is like, it's a two way street. And again, it's another one of those, well, we know that things, but uh, it, it does come down to trust. It comes down to bestowing some trust initially on them and then allowing them to feel trusted so that they will actually continue to earn that trust even more so like deepened levels of trust. I think you're right. And so now I, it makes me aware that if you're coming into any company or any situation, are you helping the situation? And if you're not, then keep your mouth shut. But just coming in and criticizing and flying away, it does no help. And so now I spend a lot of my time, you know, for Chad and Eamon who run the two, two different businesses, like what are the biggest things you're working on? What can I do now and this week to really assist you to help you with your goals? Uh, so being more of like, you know, their point guard uh, as, they're, as they're running the game. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with criticizing, but it, does it really help move things forward? 
It's not and I would it, argue it's not as helpful. It, sure, pointing something out that's wrong can be helpful. A real manager, a real leader is not just gonna just come in and point stuff out that's wrong. He's gonna say, Hey, I've noticed some things. Uh let me you know, like almost like a coach, he would say, Hey, our shooting game's not right. It, it was funny, we were talking beforehand about not loving sports or I'm not really a sports fan, but I can use those metaphors. But uh <laughs> he comes in and instead of saying, Hey, your shooting's off. He doesn't just stop there. He comes in and he says, hey, I've noticed you're having a little bit of trouble with your shots. Let me work with you on that. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people. Or, at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and I think it's a good lesson for, I, if you haven't read the book Smart Cuts by Shane Snow, it's an amazing book, and I think about it called Lateral Thinking. And I think a lot of times when we look at things, we're just looking up and down, binary, when you start looking from a solution-oriented perspective, when you're like, well, what are the actual solutions here versus just coming in and criticizing it, and you start looking around for it, it makes it a lot easier. So for Sumo, for instance, it's, all right, let's say we're not growing fast enough and something's not working. It's very easy to be like, well, we're doing, this team's doing well, but that team's not doing well. And you can just criticize it. Or you can say, well, all right, well, what would doing well look like? You know, one of my favorite books is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I love that book. And so it's like, all right, well, what would the end look like? And then how do we work backwards from that? And how do I help be a part of it? And the people that I've seen be the most successful are the ones that challenge me. Like they always are like, yo, I don't agree with that. I'm like, oh, nice, good. You're going to make something better. And they're coming to things like, all right, well, what's our goal? And then how do I, you know, how can I truly help that goal be accomplished versus just, all right, I did my part. Your time in Israel is obviously not just affecting how you approach your business. It's got to affect how you approach your own time management for yourself and your energy for yourself. What's been the biggest impact there? 
Dude, it's been nuts. I'll tell you, it's been a challenge, man. It's been a real challenge uh, to help run the companies. And also, I'm doing all these things. And uh, some of the breakthroughs and insights, uh, I'll go through a few. Number one, having time for yourself. I think most people running companies are trying to be productive and get more done. They're spending all their time at their computer thinking that they're working. And I think people need to go take more showers. Oh, I hate showers. So don't, don't take a shower. But people need to go bike ride. They need to go say, hey, when's the last time I had a good thought? Where was I? What was I doing? Was I meditating? Was I? But try to recreate those moments. So I love biking. So I go and listen to podcasts like yours or I'm listening to, you know, audiobooks or learning Hebrew, whatever it is, or just bike riding quietly. It's just more of like, how do you recreate time that you're not just at a computer thing, not at a computer working? You're actually thinking about things. Number two, being in Israel, it really tested all my routines. Like, have you, where's the last place you traveled, Eric? Uh, I just got back from Chicago a couple weeks ago. How long were you there for? Um, let's see here. Uh, it was just, it was a short one. It was an overnight. Oh, okay. That, so that, no, that, no, nothing earth shattering. <laughs> so what I notice when we travel as humans is that we like to create structure and, we're like, oh, that's the place I'm going to do this at. That's the place I'm going to do this at. And so I think as we get older, we're pretty set in our ways. And so for me, I had to figure out what's the structure for me to feel productive and also good being here. And, and that was like a really interesting insight of testing my routines. So for everyone listening and myself and you, it's we were like, well, Mondays are my this day and Tuesday is this and Wednesday is that. And here's what I'm doing this whole week. And so I, I really was like, because I came here with almost a blank slate, it was like, well, what is actually an effective and productive week for me? What is fun for me? How do I want my weeks to look? Uh, and so structuring them like that was actually really interesting because I normally am very structured through how every week is going to be happening. Like I'm going to work on my podcast today. I'm working on Sumo this day. I'm doing this this next day. Uh, so that was really good. So for everyone out there, just test your routines. And the last one uh, that was pretty much one of the biggest ones out here is that I, I personally am doing a lot of stuff. And I said, Noah, historically in the seven years you've been running this company and you know, previous businesses, when have you done the best work? And I said, well, when I'm not doing a lot of stuff. Okay. <laughs> I was like, no, that's really good advice. You should listen to yourself sometimes. <laughs> so I, I, I thought about it. And I was like, all right, there's only two. What is the number one thing that matters to me? Sumo. All right. So Sumo, no matter what, I'm going to help out, whatever I can. And then out of all the things I'm doing on my stuff that helps Sumo, what is the most important that I am enjoying and has you know, growth? And I, and I just like, I can only do one of them. I was like, all right, podcast. And all of us are, it's really hard for us to say, I'm going to give up customers. Like, I'm not going to help all my customers. I'm only going to focus on one. But all the most successful companies started with a niche. Facebook with Harvard, Google with PhD, Stanford, Microsoft with developer tools. Everyone started niche, but we don't want to give up that. All of us are doing a bunch of projects, but we don't want to give up anything. All of us are doing a bunch of marketing, but we don't want to give up stuff. And the way that I've looked at it is like, I can do a lot of things good or I can do one thing great. And so, and I, it's scary because it's saying, all right, well, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to see if this works, which is like, well, I'm giving up my options. And we're in a day where options are, we're option overloaded. And so I said, I'm only going to do my podcast and help Sumo, you know, whatever they need. And I will do it till the end of September, just for three months. And then I can reevaluate it because then it doesn't feel like so much pressure like it's, you know, for the rest of my life and I don't have a prenup. <laughs> so, and so that, that was really, it was almost relieving. It was like, oh, cool. And it's not, you know, at the end of September, I could say, all right, well, is this really the, that helps the business the most and gives me the most fulfillment? Because one thing to your, because I know you love sports so much, Eric. Yes. Um, one thing that I think people need to be thinking about is that if you're the coach of your life, it is your responsibility, or the coach of your business, however you want to look at it, it's your responsibility to put the right players in the right positions. 
And the more that you can do that, so like put yourself working on the things that you're the most productive and effective and happy or fulfilled about and put people around you that are in their places for that, the more that you're going to get the things you want out of life. And so that, that, that focus of really focus, not just like, yeah, I'm focused on 10 things. I'm like, that's, that's not focus. That's distracted. Uh, that was, you know, that was a pretty big moment for me. Uh, that was last week or two weeks ago. And I just told everybody, I was like, look, we're not doing anything else. So don't even ask me if, if it's not related to podcasts and our goal, then don't ask me about it. So what kind of impact has this had on say your, your time management or, or maybe your, your energy and how you deal with that? Oh, I'm so happy, dude. It's relieving. Cause then now all I'm thinking about is like, all right, well with all the podcast stuff, what's working is doing better content working. Yes. All right, let's do that which marketing channels are working. Instead, you know, I had a Chrome extension that I was experimenting with and I had some WordPress plugins. And, and I think sometimes what we do is we want to distract ourselves from the hard work when it's not, because you, you know this, dude, working at Social Media Examiner or, you know, your show, like everything plateaus. It's inevitable. And so it's like, well, how do you go get through the plateau? And, uh, and that's the hard part. And so, you know, just focusing on one thing, it'll make it easier to get through that because that, that's happened in, in our, you know, Sumo and AppSumo. Uh, it's happening with the, my podcast, and, but only focusing on one thing, it will help me persist through it. I want to take a moment to say thank you to one of this episode's sponsors, ShipStation. When you're selling things online and you want to get things out the door quickly, that can be something pretty tough. But ShipStation is especially useful if you're using Shopify or Etsy or Squarespace or WooCommerce or some of the other popular selling channels out there. And it brings all those different orders across all those different sites together in one place to help you manage them easily, even from your mobile device. And then from ShipStation, you can create shipping labels for all the carriers, including UPS, FedEx, USPS, and you'll get the best rates available. Right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code TODO. Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in TODO. That's ShipStation.com. Enter TODO. ShipStation. Make ship happen. You talked about being, you know, super happy and, and non-miserable right now, but I'm sure some points during this past seven years at Sumo, you had times where you didn't like the job, even though you were CEO. Chief Sumo. Chief Sumo. There you go. I, I know you've, I mean, give us a peek inside of how you got through those times where you were like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do, but I still need to keep doing it. That was a lot of times, man. And the honest answer is it's hard. Sometimes it's better to be an employee. <laughs> I know that's not what you want to hear. No, that's exa- that's exactly yeah. I, I love it's hearing tough, that answer, dude. You know, I did recruiting for two years where that's not like I love spending my day talking about marketing, figuring out how to do marketing, starting companies, helping people start their businesses. You know, figuring out how to promote better deals in AppSumo or helping with the marketing tools. Like I like the starting and the marketing of things, but the operational logistics of running a company like dealing with taxes or now we're, there's Australian GMT or lawsuits or uh, meetings or a lot of the planning stuff is, is not where I want to spend my time. But uh, I talked with my partner about it and I said, you know, I worked two years on things I didn't really love, but I liked doing uh, because I knew that the goal and the outcome was where I wanted it to be. Yes. And so I, that motivated me where, you know, I did recruiting, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week for a year and a half to help build an amazing team. I have to say that, by the way. Um, <laughs> no one ever says to build a really mediocre team. Um, 
but I knew that once I did that, then I could go and then spend my time doing the things I really love to do, which is, you know, doing the podcast and experimenting with different marketing channels for it and helping Sumo from a more advisory perspective, not, not absent whatsoever, but just more from, I, I want to, you know, we're all living once and I, we should all spend our times in our sweet spot. And that's not always going to be the case, no matter how much money you have. And so, well, maybe unless you're super rich, but <laughs> the point though is that like, for most of us, you're going to have to do some things you don't like and, and that never ends. And so have something to look forward to that you're like, well, if I can finish these things, um, I know that that'll be the outcome I want. And that's, you know, part of the price we pay to run companies. Last Tuesday, I felt very lonely. And the next day I was like, no, you were such a baby yesterday. And, <laughs> and uh, it was an interesting, and, and I reflected on that. I was like, well, what? you're not a baby, Noah, but like, well, what's going on? And uh, it's a reminder that there's going to be days where you, you're, you, whatever you did, like your meeting or your sales or your product or your uh, loved one went great. And there's a lot of days where it's not going to go well. And uh, recognizing that it's not going to go well and you have to persist and you, you know, that, that's going to happen. Knowing it's going to happen uh, help alleviate that. And so, yeah, with the, coming back full, full circle with the company, there's definitely a lot of things. And so the way I've come to really recognize it, and it, it's been wild getting older, uh, what I've recognized is that you really have to hire people and, and focus on your strengths. Because I think when people say, should you focus on your strengths and double your strengths or fix your weaknesses? I was like, do both of them uh, in, you know, in my 20s. And now what I've realized is that you've got to hire for your strengths. So whatever you're strong at, hire someone to compliment you on that. And until you finally do it, do you realize how much better it'll be? Uh, you know, an example is like we hired this guy, Eamon, to run AppSumo. And I could only get the company to you know, low seven-figure business. And this guy's come in and he's given, gotten it to an eight-figure business because he is better at organizing the team, focusing on certain things, running it better than I was because I'm better at getting it going and, and getting kind of the, the core of it built. And uh, yeah, that was uh, ultimately it's, you know, what you need to be doing as you're, you're running a business. Interesting. And I think it's also probably to get through those tough times and those times where you're like, okay, this is a thing that has to be done. And it has to be done by me. And it's not that I hate doing it, but it's not that I love doing it either. But those reasons to get through it, having those reasons, that purpose, that overall purpose. Most things that we think are hard aren't as hard if we just focused on it. Like how many, you know this, dude. Mm, how many yeah, times yeah. have you worked on a problem? Like I, I had to do a podcast outline. I'm doing one for, with the NPR uh, guy. And I avoided it for like two weeks. And then literally I just sat down in a cafe you turn off the Wi-Fi, and then I just finished it in six hours. And I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, if you just actually only do it, it's not that hard. The other two things that have helped me when, during, especially during tough times, whenever things have gone bad in the company, and it, it's inevitable, and it, it has gone bad, and it will go bad in the future, uh, is I always just try to go back and help one customer. I just go and like right now what I'm doing is every Thursday I try to help uh, an hour to two. I'm experimenting. I just started this. An hour to two just helping customers for free. Not selling anything, not pitching anything, just like giving back. Uh, and so I think a lot of times in business, we forget that we're, we're actually dealing with humans. Like we're dealing with a guy who's got a job that's using our products or our knowledge and he, he, they want something, he or she wants something. So going back to that individual, instead of always just looking abstractly, uh, I think it's helpful. And then as well, sometimes if you're, if you're struggling and it's hard, it is also healthy to take a step back. So you know, let's say our revenue or sales or marketing suck today. Look at your goal overall and then say, all right, well, at least are we on track to hit our destination? Because sometimes that's actually the case. Uh, and, you, you know, we sweat the small things way overly than, than we should. 
in terms of obviously, you know, you've you've got certain things that you're doing here over right now in in your time during uh, your your study abroad uh, in Israel, <laughs> yeah. But uh, also in terms of when you were in the business and in different uh, modalities and things like that, what are some of those? essential tools that you use in one or the other, or I guess really essential would be you use it for both. What are the things that throughout all of the growth that you've had happen for yourself and the dis- things you've discovered about yourself, what are some of those things that, are, that you keep in your toolkit? So here's a few things. I got a few of them, uh, some new and some old. Uh, so one thing that that's dramatically helped for business and you can do this in personal life is a board meeting and it's like, well, what's a, a board meeting? What are we like some corporate big company or what am I dot, you know, stodgy? Uh, but basically having some accountability from people that you trust or respect that can add value and criticize you and make you a better person. So once a month we do that for our business on AppSumo and once a month for Sumo. And I found those just like we've done those now four years and, and it's always valuable. Uh, Andrew Chen is involved and our friend Brian Balfour is now helping and it's just like questions what we're doing. And I, you want people around you who are challenging you to be a better person. Because I, I, everyone, I hate the quote, oh, you're average of the five people. It's like, yeah, I know that. I've heard it. But if you don't actually do it and get challenged, like you should be around people who, who don't just accept what you're saying. And you should feel uncomfortable. And Andrew does that once a month. So board meetings have been essential. Uh, number two, just in general for productivity and, and for what I, I think I've done well in my life is Find the things that you're, you get energy around. Find the people and the work that your energy is just excited. And so for me, talking with you and like thinking about this and processing it is really exciting. Figuring out like how marketing happens for products, really exciting. Meeting people in Israel. I've spent a lot of time just, I'm, I'm meeting uh, this basketball player who married an Israeli woman. And he's this like six foot eight black dude that like now is an Israeli, which is like, whoa, what is that story? That gives me a lot of energy. Uh, and so number two would be putting your putting yourself around places and people that you get energy from. The last one that I've done this now five years is I, I do a yearly bucket list and I have it on my phone. I have it on my desktop. I have it everywhere. So I see it all the time. And then I break that down and I schedule it over the year. And then each week, this is the biggest thing. Each week I plan my week. And whenever I heard that, it always felt so overwhelming. And then each week, I just plan lightly, what are the three things I want to get done this week? So let me pull up my list this week. So I do for my work, my workout, and my personal. And I do it every Sunday. And I think about, all right, well, what's really most important that will help me towards my goals for the year that I want to do this week? So for work, I'm working on two podcasts. I'm helping Sumo look for a UX designer. That's my main things. And I might get more done, but those are my main ones I want to get done. And then I put those in my calendar. Uh, and I do the same for workouts and personal, which is fun. So, you know, I'm going to France. Uh, I'm going to go visit my brother in Albuquerque. So those are my fun things. And I'm like, all right, let's make sure I get those done. The important thing about that is two pieces with this. One, I review my last week and I send it to, because I send it to someone, uh, my buddy Adam from my body tutor. And he is my accountability buddy. And he'll criticize me. He'll be like, dude, you said you're going to do that. Why didn't you? And I'm like, well, because I was lazy. He's like, all right, well, do, is it really important? And so I send him, I review my last week and then I send him this week after I put it in my calendar. And it's just a really helpful way to hold yourself accountable uh, to what you say you're going to do. Because I think sometimes, and I've started thinking about this more, especially being alone out here, Eric, is that it is scary and it is, it is alone. And it's a little bit easier to just like forgive yourself. And so it's nice to have someone else being like, dude, you can do this or, oh man, I'm so proud of you for getting your work done. Uh, And I think it is nice to really have that companionship, especially if you're, you're more remote or individual worker. 
totally. I, I, I have a, a really small, I guess you'd call it a mastermind, but uh, it's just two other guys and we just literally meet once a week briefly and we just check in and say, okay, we're, how are you doing on that thing you said you were going to do? And, uh, we, you know, we use Slack to kind of, you know, say, Hey, I did this, you know, throughout the week and it really helps to know somebody else is looking and wondering where am I at with stuff and vice versa. Like consistency is really good. Like say you found something working to grow your podcast or, you know, with social media example, you're going to keep doing it, right? You want to be consistent that each week, you know, that if you do 10 emails to people, you'll get four guests and you'll keep growing. But eventually that, that stops and that doesn't help you get to the next level of growth. So sometimes consistency is bad where you're like, you've actually got to test on that 20% of your time new things. Um, and also with like your meeting, like you're doing these uh, mastermind meetings. I'm guessing if you guys said, hey, these meetings are good, but how can we make them better? Each week you could probably actually change that consistency of that meeting to improve it to make it even more effective. Totally. Uh, and that's not, I think that's something that we, we don't do. We're just like, okay, that's that's how it is. Like we for okay dork, my personal marketing stuff, we email we put the podcast on Tuesday and we email out on Wednesday. And my uh the guy I work with, David, I said, Why do we do that? He's like, That's just what we've done. <laughs> and I said, I'm not saying we should, you know, mess it up, but would you want to test it for a week and then see what it looks like? And if it's better, then we'll move it to doing both of them on the same day. And and I think it's just good to question your assumptions. Uh, and I think that's the way that ultimately in business, if you just start accepting things is when you're going to start getting complacent and, and, and ultimately losing. And, you know, losing is kind of subjective. You're losing. It's just more you're probably going to plateau and start going down because you've just accepted how things are uh, instead of changing them how you want them to be. I use three by five cards, you know, my like old school elementary level. Mm-hmm. And each night I just put out, I get it out and I write the day and I just write the three things I want to do that day. It's kind of from that weekly check-in that I was talking about. So in the, the night before, I'm like, all right, well, which three things? And it's really alleviated anxiety, and it makes you feel more productive. Because at the end of the day, like today, I had to send postcards, <laughs> review a, a blog post, and then send my weekly uh, check-in to my buddy Adam. And just checking that stuff off and seeing my 3 by 5 card, it made me feel better in the morning because I already knew what I was going to do. And at the end of the day, there's so many days where you're like, what did I do today? It's really helpful. So I would encourage everyone to get 3 by 5 cards and just try those out for a week. And, and that's something I've experimented a lot this year. Just try things out for a week. You're not, you know, you don't have to get married to it. And at the end of the week, you'd be like, I don't like this. Let me not do it anymore. Or I do like this. Let me make it part of my routine. Uh, the second one that a lot of people seem to always love is speed up their tracking speed on their laptop. And everyone does this. And then, because I can tell when I use someone else's computer. Oh, yeah. I love doing um, I, I always do this. Yes. Yes. People never, oh, I did it to someone today because I was like trying to use a computer and I'm like, I don't even know how to use a computer. So go to your trackpad, make your tracking speed the fastest, give it like 20 minutes and thank us later. Yep. Yesterday, I think I was just exhausted. So one thing that this is kind of more experimental, so I can't vouch it hundred percent, but it was pretty interesting. I couldn't type. I was so tired. I, was, I couldn't type. So on your Mac, I don't know, PC, you probably have the same thing. If you hit function and just hold it down, you could do dictation on your Mac. Same on your phone. Like in Israel, everyone does dictation. And you wonder why, right? Like my Hebrew teacher is sending me voice memos. Or in Gmail, you hold on dictation, you could start t- uh, speaking your text. And the reason is because you can speak 300 to 400 words a minute. On average, most people type 70 words per minute at best. If you're cool, you're like 100. If you're impressive, you're 120. But you could speak three or four times that. And so it's like, all right, well, how do I do more things? Well, why don't you do the higher, the more effective things, which is voice. So something I'm experimenting with, with, you know, dictating my emails through the dictation function or, you know, sending uh, voice memos. 
So a little bit early, but actually yesterday I was sending one to my, my girlfriend. I was like, man, this is great. It's super fast. Yeah, I love dictation. I do that all the time. In fact, I'll actually – Do you? Yeah, I'll do it and I'll do it on my phone. I'll go outside. In fact, I still have to do that for today. I need to get in my uh, my 30 minutes of exercise. So I'm going to go out and walk in the sun and take my phone and I'll kind of journal as I'm doing it and I'll just speak it into the phone. That's interesting. Hold on. So what do you normally – like what do you normally record? Uh, I will use – I use a, a, a Mac app called Day One and I just hit the microphone button on my keyboard on my phone and I'll talk for – I don't know, 30 seconds to 45 seconds to a minute and then stop, pause, think for a second and let it, you know, fully populate the text and then I'll do it again. And then what do you normally talk about? I just kind of, well, I mean, this is a whole other show, to be honest, but uh, I I, I will just kind of, I use it as kind of a clearing the mental ram kind of a thing where I'll say, okay, this is what's going on right now. This is what I'm thinking or feeling about it. I don't try to get too touchy or feely, but uh, I I will kind of allow myself to, uh, you know, break up the ground mentally, you know, so that I'm I'm not like feeling like it's all, I don't know, bottled up. I guess. Yeah, that's your way. That's how you process. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a processing thing for sure. No, that's awesome, man. And then do you generally? How much of that generally inspires you? So that's what we're. I was mentioning earlier, like you're you're allocating time for yourself and thinking. Mm -hmm. How much of that? has inspired your work and your personal life? I would say typically when I come back from some of those sessions, I feel less like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing next. Usually it's uh, whatever kind of residual uh, thoughts or feelings that were hangovers from, you know, previous days or weeks are gone and I can move forward more quickly. That is cool. You know, one thing I wonder for people is that I think a lot of people say, all right, well, I'm going to take walks every day and then they skip it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have two, like for me, I I love reading and I notice that that's where I get a lot of thoughts to help my business. And so I try to make time, but then you know, you start skipping it here and there. And so how do you make sure that you, you stick with that? So that's where it comes in with like gamification. I've got an app where it's, it's called streaks and I, that's one of the things that I have to check off for the day, no matter what, like I've got a few things like, Oh, let's see here. Like one of them is just drinking the right amount of water for the day. So every time I I drink one of my, I have a bottle that I refill throughout the day and I push that and hold it down and it checks it off. And when I've checked it off four times, I get a big old check mark for the day. And that's actually one of the the apps that I'm using in conjunction with that mastermind. So, so one of the things on there is that 30 minutes of activity. Now I do have one day a week where I don't do the 30 minutes of activity so that I kind of take a break. But uh, the six other days, it's on there. Dude, that's awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's so. funny. I like that you take a break. People don't think about themselves as like phones or as like machines that need to be recharged. They're like, just keep it going forever. More coffee. That's true. However, too much of a thing can sometimes be hard. And again, if I said seven days a week, I'd probably do five or six. But if I'm doing six, then I'm more likely to do the six because I know that I'm going to get a day off. Yeah. Well, the two things you got me thinking about, number one, I use my fitness pal and I track everything I eat and I have a streak on it for like almost 800 days. Yep. There you go. So you can see me. Okay. Dork for anyone who wants to go stock my, my eating. Uh, but that's number one where I, yeah, streaks are really powerful and I have friends that see me and they're like, dude, nice job. The second thing, and I think what you've done well is that you've created the activity that's generally kind of a, a, um, a pain. You've made it fun. So for me, you've like enabled yourself, like, how do I make this a positive trigger? So for me, when I go for bike rides, it's always fun. And I always listen to podcasts and audiobooks during that moment. 
And so I'm like, oh, cool. How do I create more times where I'm, I'm doing that? So let me go, you know, you've set it up with your walking. You're like, all right, cool. I'm going to do this fun, like mental, you know, flow or mental thought process. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's the, like, yeah. The, the other thing I want to say, though, is that some days I'll do it first thing in the morning and I'll go over to like the YMCA and put on headphones and just blast like a really, you know, upbeat soundtrack or some sort. And it's not that I'm not thinking during that time, but it's more of a psyching myself up moment. And it, it just kind of wavers. Do I need that? Or do I, do I need the journaling thought process thing today? Which do I need today? I'm curious how you do this. So a lot of times, like if I'm thinking of something uh, and I know I want to avoid it, that is my compass of doing it. And it, this is going to sound stupid. You're not going to like it. But like mm-hmm. when I come home and, I'm, and I don't want to shower, I'm like, oh, I don't want to shower. I do two things. I'm like, okay, now you're showering because you said you didn't want to do it. I don't know. I just try to keep this mental compass that's like go towards the things you're not going to like and it makes the things you do like that much better and it makes it easier to do those things. Uh, And then I also try to give rewards like, hey, you want to go check your email? All right, fine. Get the shower that you hate and then you can go check all your email. Oh, totally. Uh, Yeah, there's there was – what was it? I read somewhere recently that um, one of the things that's best for you to do is when there's work that needs to be done that you don't want to do – but yet there's something else that you do want to do that's even work-related, that that's the way you should order your tasks is to do the tasks that you don't want to do first in an earning kind of capacity so that you've then earned the right to do the more fun, creative task. Hmm. I, I, do you actually do that, though? I, yeah. See, that's the thing is like I, I think to myself, well, that makes sense in theory, but am I really going to follow through on that? And – also, which one's more important? Like, if the fun one's more important, then I'm going to still do that first. You know, I'm going to put off the hard one because, <laughs> all right, I, because I'm I'm good at justifying it. I'll I'll say, yeah, it. we could we could rationalize anything. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one thing for that I'd wonder for you. So uh, today and yesterday, I wanted to finish something, and so what I do is I reflect. When am I like super super productive? And it's generally a I'm in a new new environment or I'm in a cafe where there's stimulation around me, and uh, B, I generally don't have internet. And so it's like, all right, well, how can I recreate the moments where I'm the most productive? And so yesterday in the past few days, I went to different cafes and I worked on things and I, and I got it done. So I'm curious for you, you know, the easy ones are easy to do, but when do you like, where, where have you noticed you found your productivity zone? I feel like if I can group together a chunk of things and say, okay, here's a time block and I'm going to check all of these off. And just kind of get in the zone, you know, put on some, some, I don't know if you're familiar with focus at will or some other kind of, you know, audio focused program, but that's what I'll do is I'll put that on and I'll say, okay, I'm going to get this one done. Check. Then I'll take, you know, five minute break, walk around, do, and then come back to it and do, do another one on the list. I, it it depends. Different days are different things. So it it really depends on which day I'm in too. Yeah, I, I think we're we're very hard on ourselves. I guess where I've looked at it, and I'm curious if this is the same for you. There's certain days where I'm just like insanely productive, and I don't know if there's like a reason for it, but there's just I'm in some moment where it's working. And I think what what I've noticed is that when I'm in that, go longer with it. Personally, I'm like, dude, you're in the zone. Just stick with this. Just keep going, and whatever else you want to knock out, knock it all out. Uh, and then the days that I'm like, just hey, I'm feeling mopey or low. Some days I push through it and I go with it, but other days I, I'm trying to get better at embracing like, hey, this is not the moment. So take, take a break, go for a walk, mm-hmm. like take, go chill. But then it, mostly I just feel guilt. I'm like, oh, you should be working. You should be creating or doing something. 
uh, and this is not helpful. I, I don't know. How, how have you dealt with that? Or is that something that, that you go through? Oh, I mean, it's cyclical and it, it's kind of an, a weekly thing, you know, where, and, and so I try to ease in like, so for example, we're, we're recording this on a Monday and a Monday is not normally uh, a heavy lifting day. That's more of a light day. It's more of a sitting and relaxing and looking over things and kind of doing the organizational prep work kind of day, you know? So if, so if I don't get tons of stuff done, but if I helped myself, uh, you know, if I handed off the baton to future Eric so that he can get more done tomorrow and the next day, then we're in good shape, you know? But if it's Tuesday and Wednesday or Thursday and I'm not, uh, you know, and, and hence, hence I'll be like, okay, today's a big day. I got to pump myself up. So that's when I'll go, you know, to the gym in the morning and really, uh, make myself feel like awesome, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know that it's kind of setting, it's kind of that setting that self up, setting yourself up, uh, and setting future you up, uh, kind of a thing. And Friday is typically, you know, there's, there's one or two major things I have to do those days, but like, then I try to wind down a bit and prep for the next week. I mean, I think that's such a great point. Is that we have to, I think if people reflect in the previous week or even previous days of where their moments of like, this is my rest period, this is my creative period, this is my work period, this is my prep period, and then actually scheduled around that and made their days more engineered, like reverse engineer what makes an effective day for you, like more people would get more days that they would be really satisfied with. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I mean, it's still something that I'm perfecting and it's also seasonal, like sometimes, um, you know, with it being warmer and nicer here for the summer, like it's one thing, but when it's, you know, cold out, (laughs) like I don't want to go outside as much. So I may kind of sit and do more laptop focused stuff than, than usual. I don't know. It, it, it it comes and goes. There's, there are seasons for sure. So do you think that most people are are stuck with their productivity and like they have the systems that they want to have, but what they're doing incorrectly is choosing the wrong things to be productive on? I think it can be both things. I think they can spend a lot of time trying to get more productive instead of just sitting and doing the work. They want to get better tools and there's maybe nothing wrong with the tools they already have. But at the same time, some of these, these tools that we talk about on these shows aren't physical, you know, well, digital tools per se, as much as overcoming, like we've talked about here in this episode, some of the mental stuff, some of the psychological stuff that you really have to wrestle with first in order to almost like make the muscle memory towards the, the, the higher, better options in terms of, yeah, you know what? Like, like you were saying, you know what, that one thing you don't want to do, that's what I'm going to do right now before anything else kind of a thing and and getting used to that, you know? Yeah. And I think what you're saying about muscle memory, I definitely agree with that, which is just like, if you can keep building the muscles of, well, all right, I know I'm going to take a shower. I don't want to just keep doing it. Eventually like, all right, fine, I'll take a shower. It's not something that actually has to be hard so that you can allocate that time to more important things. That's, it's kind of what I've, in general, also try to figure out, like, what are my defaults of decisions so I don't have to think about that? Because yes. we spend a lot, it's, we have so much energy. One of my favorite books uh, for getting things done is called The Power of Full Engagement. And it's a weird title, but Powerful Engagement, what I thought was great about it was just more, less about time, because we all have the same amount of time, but it's like, when do we have the most energy? And then how do we allocate that accordingly? Yeah, I, and I'll make sure to link that up and, and everything else in the show notes. Well, no, we're kind of running out of time here. So uh, how about we wrap things up and let people know, one, where they can find you and 
Well, I guess that's it. Let's let people know where they can find you. And and yes. no, and two, where your podcast is. There you go. Yeah. If anyone wants to hit me up, you can, you know, look me up on podcast Noah Kagan Presents. I've got a personal blog, okdork.com. We help if anybody's starting a business or trying to run their own business. Uh, we have two properties that help people, appsumo.com, which is our uh, weekly deals for entrepreneurs, and then sumo.com, which is our free software for people to grow their email list. Awesome, Noah. Thank you so much for being here and uh, looking forward to continuing this conversation down the road. Awesome, brother. Thanks, Eric. I hope that this conversation has sparked some thoughts in your mind about how you can approach your task list and your week's and planning your week, as well as taking a step back from your work to try to gain new perspective. Or maybe you're going to test your routines. I'd certainly love to hear from you about what you're going to be doing. You can let me know at the show notes for this episode, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 180. Also, make sure to head on over to altmba.com slash beyond to learn more about Seth Godin's Alt-MBA workshop and see if it's what's next for you. Again, you can apply and mention this podcast for special consideration. And you can find it again at altmba.com slash beyond. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If this episode helped you, I would love it if you would pass this on to that person that you know should listen and consider the ideas in this show. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.